Welcome back to another edition of De Stefano Talks. On today's edition, I sat down with none other than Twitter legend and Scottish football's very own Old Firm Facts. Now, we did this episode back in February when De Stefano's Talks was just getting off the ground, um, and we did it in a very loud and busy Tim Hortons cafe. So, I have done my best to try and limit the noise, but if you hear some random girl talking about our life, I'm really sorry. Um, and if you are some random girl that happened to be in Tim Hortons that day, the day after Celtic get papped out of Europe, then uh, yeah, I'm sorry I've captured a little bit of your, your conversation on, but yeah, not too much, nobody will notice you, so just don't worry. Um, yes, we sat down um, in a loud and busy Tim Hortons cafe, we discussed um, how creating a Twitter account in 2012 led to a career in journalism, uh, we also discussed Celtic and Rangers in Europe, uh, the European adventure, uh, we discussed a little bit about Celtic getting papped out of Europe by Copenhagen as Per mentioned, um, and we also talk about how he deals with the hate from Celtic, Rangers and a very inquisitive and nosy Hibs fan. All that plus much, much more on today's episode of De Stefano Talks with Old Firm Facts. I am Stefan Carlin, and today I am here with the man, the myth, the Twitter <laughs> legend, uh, Old Firm Facts. How are you doing? Not too bad, are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, quick wee apology, we are in a cafe in Glasgow, so the audio... Uh, might have a bit of background noise to it, but we're going to make this one of the best podcasts I'm sure that we can do. Um, so, I, just for context, to start off with, uh, we're recording this the night after Celtic got eliminated for the Europa League. Um, a bit of a, a sore one for Celtic fans out there. What, what did you make of that? Well, um, it, was a, it was a strange one because we were planning stuff at work couple of days ago and we're talking about stuff that we're going to work on next week and someone said so I'm assuming based on the, the first legs of those two games that Celtic and Rangers are both going to be going through and we're going to be talking about the draw on Friday for both teams and I said I wouldn't get ahead of yourself there I think it's going to be a tough one for Rangers given the away goals they've conceded Celtic will go through comfortably about a couple of goals but you know I would get ahead of yourself with the, the Rangers thing and uh, I called both of those games wrong <laughs> I think with Celtic last night, um, it was a, a similar kind of anticlimax to the Cluj thing, I, I would say. Yeah. Celtic, I think um, both of those games, Cluj in the Champions League and uh, Copenhagen last night, both on paper very winnable games. And for whatever reason, Celtic didn't seem to even, it, it, it just didn't seem to click into gear. And the weird thing about uh, those games, I, again, I wrote a column the other day saying I, I was the guy slagging off the Lennon appointment when, yeah. when it came in permanent, um, but it's proved me wrong. But these games are starting to add up. Like Celtic will comfortably win the league this year, no, very good chance of winning the Scottish Cup as well, yeah. and another treble, and those things are all great. But, and there's, there's now quite a few big games that Celtic seem to be not shown up for so yeah. the majority if you exclude the old firm game in September I think it was at Ibrox the majority of the old firm games even when Rangers haven't won them they've been the better team yeah. um, the Cluj game the Copenhagen game yeah I think maybe the, the Lazio games are more mid possible misleading in that context because yeah. those were brilliant results and as I said in the piece of the other day I don't think Brendan Rodgers would have won those games against Lazio I think he'd have been I don't think uh, 
he'd have been willing to compromise the way that he sets, normally sets out his team in order yeah. to achieve those results. But uh, <laughs> I, I think they're possibly misleading those Lazio games, or maybe a false dawn, because you can't, it's all very well winning those games against Lazio, but they've not amounted to much in the grand scheme of things now. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the thing for me um, is last night, I was in the pub and I'm mm-hmm. talking to my mates and I'm like, right, so where have we been in the last 16? Mm-hmm. That total underestimating Copenhagen and thinking myself to go just do what they need to do. And I think that just comes from the fact that they had the away goal. Yeah. But from being in that position where you have an advantage to where you don't, because you've totally let it go because Copenhagen scored. And I think once they scored, I felt that Celtic are just going to capitulate here and to their credit they, they dug in and they got a penalty and you're thinking right and I'm saying at the time I'm at the game and I'm saying right keep the head just keep your head and it'll be fine and then two minutes later don't know what Tom Rogic was hitting about with the, the chest but it just all went to pot it was really amateur stuff because it's the oldest cliche in the book that the worst you know the, the hardest the easiest time to concede a goal is just after you've scored a goal and all the rest of the stuff. Yeah. That's stuff that's like Sunday league stuff. You know, like for a game of that magnitude, you know, Celtic to be minutes away from extra time, or certainly when Edward scored the, the penalty, yeah. um, the momentum should be with Celtic at that point. Um, so at the very least, they should be thinking, right, here's how we're going to attack in extra time. But yeah. they could possibly be thinking, we're going to win this before extra time. You know, the, the momentum's with them. Yep. To then lose two goals in the space of like your four minutes is just amateurish stuff. Yeah. And th- th- I don't think Copenhagen needed to do particularly much to score those goals either. Um, but I would say, um, I, don't, I don't know when this podcast is getting released, but I think I'll have a column out on Sunday or Monday about this, about the fact that uh, Lennon's actually possibly done Celtic a favour here. Because um, uh, yeah. the, you know, the the press will paint this as a bad result for Celtic, but actually, if you consider the rise of coronavirus, Celtic are potentially going to be, could have been done against an Italian team, yeah. you know, he's kept the fans safe, um, Celtic could be could have been drawn against Rangers, yeah. at least wouldn't have liked that, so he's kept Glasgow safe, he's, you know, if Celtic had got through to the next round, the potential high-profile European matches that would have put players in the shop window, so now he doesn't have to worry about teams coming in for Suminovic, you know? Well, that's, that is a fair point. That yeah. is a good point. And I'll flesh that out into maybe a, a, a list of ten for the Collins, but um, that's, you know, that's maybe the bright side for some. So, obviously, your old fun facts, you've been on Twitter for a wee while, it mm-hmm. took you a while for you to actually follow me. Um, <laughs> Say that I, get, get, I get grief about that from some people. Um, and do you know it was naively when I started out, and I obviously didn't have a clue it was going to get big. Um, I followed everyone back who followed me, and I made a point like at the end of every day or two, and see who's followed me, and I just like, follow, 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 follow. But um, <laughs> um, I, naively, I just thought, yeah, that's the way it's done. But then I got to a point where I was starting to get. Followers and stuff like that. Like, There's no way this is practical for me to do. Aye. So then it just became a case of now I only follow people back if it's something that I'm really interested in yeah. seeing or whatever. Because Twitter's good for me, like if I'm, particularly if I'm out and uh, I'm not at the TV or I'm not at my desk at work, 
and I'm just gonna check in and see if I'm missing anything. Yeah. If there's anything, any kind of breaking story about the Celtic Rangers or anything we're talking about in Scottish football, I just need to look at my timeline and everyone's talking about the same thing. Yeah. If you then if I'm following back the amount of people that are following me, I'm just it's gonna get too confusing. Yeah, no definitely that's one of the things I find with Twitter. Um, on a personal note is I, I like to be that guy that alright well if you follow me I'll do the cut myself following you back. Yeah. But then I realise once I've followed so many people back, you start to, over the weeks and months, you start to see that you're a roll star, you're a roll star, you're a roll star. And yeah. then I'm, I'm unfollowing. I seen a lady the other day, um, and she goes, and she's talking about transgender toilets, and about how transgender people shouldn't be allowed, and they should have their own toilets. And I just thought, that's just, I understand the point, but it's mind-numbing. And I just thought, I'm, I'm going to unfollow, because it's too political for me and anything that's that I see has been too political I'll unfollow because I'm more than likely going to get into the a debate or a crux of an argument with them and Fight, not what I want. Fighting your tongue or the sort of Twitter, Twitter equivalent of doing that can be really difficult at times and I'm wary of the fact like so I feel like there's a sort of balancing act that I probably don't always get right with Twitter where I know that people are following me for football they're not following me for that political beliefs yeah. or for anything that's happening in my personal life but when there's something that I feel very strongly about so whether that be a political thing or about mental health I think well if I feel this strongly about it and I think I've got something worth saying about it or I can at least get important information out to people about it I feel like I would be irresponsible not using my platform to to get that out you know so recently there was that a uh, I don't know if you saw the video, the BBC social that um, of the young Scottish poet who is non-binary and he was talking about the experience of going for a haircut. This is a poem uh, that he was reading out. Yeah, I did see yeah. that and I saw him take a bit of stick, but I didn't comment on it because it's not yeah. something I know too much about. Yeah, well the, the, the thing is, that's the kind of attitude that people <laughs> should have, you know, I don't know much about this so I'm going to either say nothing or find out more about it before I comment, but a lot yeah. of people just dive into rooted. But the thing, what, what happened with this was, it was sold as a video about how hard it is for them to get a haircut, right? Um, but that wasn't the point they were making, and if you watch the whole video, it's clear that it's about all these sort of small, or small inverted common issues that they have to go through on a daily basis, and how combined they represent mass, uh, you know, a whole big mass of difficult issues that people like myself don't ever have to take into consideration and maybe take for granted. So it's not, a, it's not a three minute video about how hard it is for them to get a haircut. Yeah. It's a three minute video about how there are just so many difficult things on a day to day basis for a non-binary person. And thousands, not even hundreds, thousands of people stormed in with just incredibly offensive responses to it. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with someone saying I can't relate to that or you know I, I you know I don't personally agree with that video. That's fine and you know, the internet's for opinions. Yeah. And no one's trying to force you to have that opinion. But when you respond to it just calling them on all the names under the yeah. sun, it's, it's total lack of tolerance. So I wrote a column about that and I said underneath the column I was like I know people aren't following me for this kind of thing. I know you're following me for football stuff, but I felt strongly about this. Yeah. Um, but I, I try not to do that too often because I know it's not what people follow me for. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've got a I've got a personal Twitter account I barely use. 
and that's get something like three or four hundred followers and so there's no point in putting it because no one's going to see it so what was the idea then behind old fun facts (laughs) like it went was it 2012 you started yeah i mean i didn't properly get into how it worked and actually settling into how you know i just the style of it i guess for maybe at least a few months, probably a year or so, year or two. Um, but yeah, I set up the account in 2012 and I didn't have any plans at all for it. It was purely a case of a guy, Stevie, that I worked with, um, a friend of mine, he was telling me for ages, he's like, oh, Twitter's brilliant, you'd be really good at it. And I didn't quite see the point of Twitter at the time, I didn't really understand it. Yeah. Um, but I set up the account and I didn't tell him it was me. Um, <laughs> I just I thought I had a few jokes in my head about Celtic Rangers and they were probably all shite but it was just, it was just kind of I thought well no one's going to see this anyway I set up the account it literally took about 10 seconds to come up with the name of the front backs I thought it just well, rolls off the tongue and <laughs> didn't consider for a second that people would have an issue with the general firm which is probably the biggest mistake I've made in my life <laughs> um, and I tweeted out a few things and Stevie quickly realised it was me, gave him a couple of retweets, but the nature of Twitter, if someone likes it, they'll retweet it and yeah. they'll follow you. And it took a while for the, the number, for the followers to start adding up because, you know, like I say, they were probably all crap, those jokes. But eventually I kind of got into rhythm with it and so it's just quite good fun. Yeah. yeah. So you basically, so you started in 2012, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of news or football stuff going on no, in 2012. No, it was a quiet so, one, yeah. So it was quite interesting to hear how that got started. <laughs> um, one of the questions that I did um, have for you was, can you remember like, your, your first like, specific joke or whatever it was that blew up and took off and that's where a lot of your followers kind of came from? Um, do you know, there, there, probably, there were probably ones that at the time I would have considered to be huge, getting things like maybe 40 retweets, which back then I would have just gone, oh my god, 40 yeah. people have shared my joke, right? And I still wouldn't take that for granted, right? But I think the first one that I remember, I know there were reasonably big ones before this, but the one that sticks out as being pretty big was just a that pun. It was um, James MacArthur scoring against Germany, and Manuel Neuer was in goal. And I just, there was something along the lines of Manuel, I'm going to save this, uh, MacArthur, Neuer, no, just a fun on Neuer. It's not, it's not necessarily one of my proudest achievements in life, but I remember that taking off and I was looking at it on my phone. I was sitting in the pub and uh, just thought I'd check my phone after it. Like, I tweeted it and didn't think anything of it and checked my phone like two minutes later. I was like, watching the numbers go up in real time and then you can see how people get addicted to this. It's, like, it's almost like, winning in the fruit machine when you see the numbers going up and you're like, Jesus. And the very, the thing I had to sort of check myself against was don't just tweet stuff you think will get the numbers because yeah. anyone can do that. You have to just do stuff that you think is funny for yeah. you. Like, but that was the first time I saw something go really big, like into the thousands, I think. And I was like, wow, this is uh, a bit surreal. And that's actually, um, hearing that, but I remember seeing that tweet, I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, no, you're not. That's so, it's so Scottish, but it's so, it's so perfect. It I was, like it. But it was just a dapper, and there's also, almost a part of me that's like, why couldn't that have happened with something I'd taken my time over, you know, instead yeah. of something daft that I just took two seconds with, but I guess that's the nature of it. 
I think the the off the cuff stuff though works better because see if you have to you, you have to sit at something and you have to think about it. Well, yeah, it comes to that point where you're overthinking it and then it becomes it's no funny. Um, and that's what I find a lot. Like uh, you'll see, I try to be a bit funny on Twitter. It doesn't work out and it, it doesn't pan out to perfection. But when I tweet something totally off the cuff, it kind of it has worked well. Um, did you ever imagine that when you were creating the account that it would turn out to be as big as it is? Not, not at all. Um, like I said, there was just something that, I'd, uh, that I'd, like say, ten seconds of thinking about the name, fire out a few tweets, and just thought this would be something that maybe a few of my pals would like. Yeah. And then the nature of it just sort of snowballed, and it took a while to snowball. But once it did, it just started bigger and bigger, and then you start having people
my ambition is weren't to star on the TV or whatever. I've done yeah. lots of radio and podcast stuff, and I'm, I'm happy to do that. So, for like terms of, um, you know, you, you say Celtic fan, sorry, Rangers fan sent you, Celtic fan, Celtic fan sent you, Rangers fan, you've got a guy that thinks you're a Hibs fan. <laughs> I love that. Um, how does that work out? Is there like a side that digs you out the most? Do they, is there a side that will have a go at you more for your dreams or something like that? Yeah, but not, not really. I mean, last night was actually kind of refreshing. Like, after all these years, I didn't get that, like I was tearing into Celtic obviously, right? yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get that much views, but what I did get was a lot of kind of light-hearted responses from people going, I prefer this when it's not about my team, or Rangers fans going, oh, I'm enjoying these for a change, you know, because it's normally about my team. And the way I look at it is, like, obviously I support someone, right, but um, I kind of, when I'm writing the jokes, it's like, kind of disassociate from my actual feelings about the game and just go, what's the funny thing to say about the team that's just lost this game? Yeah. So if Rangers have lost the other night and Celtic won last night, then if it had been the other way around, if it had been sliding off Rangers all weekend, you know, there wouldn't have been the jokes at the expense of Celtic. It's just a case of, right, think about what's happened in the game, say something funny about it. And I'll get, nine times out of ten, I'll get loads of abuse from whichever team I'm sliding off. Yeah. And so I wouldn't say that there's necessarily more abuse from Rangers or Celtic fans, but the abuses may be different. Like, yeah. So with Rangers fans, it tends to be short, sharp stuff like you're a fucking wank, right? Yeah. With, with Celtic fans, and this isn't all Celtic fans, but it tends to be that I'm, because I've made a joke about Celtic, I'm playing into their narrative of some sort of MSM agenda against yeah. Celtic. So, of course, with the, the the tweets from Rangers fans will maybe be like more personally cutting yeah. than the Celtic oh, fans ones. But with the Celtic fans, it'll be a fourth tweet thread about how this fits into my MSM agenda and all the rest of it. So, um, you, you learn not to take it personally. It, I'm not, no, I'm not like by nature a confrontational guy, and I'm not someone who gets into many disputes and so it was it took a long time for me to get used to the fact that shit people really hate me like, yeah. like don't just they don't just shrug it off there's people out there who really hate me there's people who i blocked years ago yeah. people send me stuff that get like mutual friends or whatever there's guys out there that will constantly tweet about me yeah. and i haven't I haven't interacted with them for years and they just get um, I, I hate i absolutely hate the term living in your head rent free yeah. but that's how it feels like these people are getting obsessed with stuff i said five years ago you know? and yeah. so it's, it's weird to have that and so individual stuff doesn't tend to offend me the only ones that really annoy me are if people put out stuff that isn't a blatant lie about me yeah. i know open facts and he's this and I'm like it's someone i've never met in my life yeah. there's a guy who i'm always getting sent stuff this guy said was convinced that I'm not the original old fun facts. Oh, that, that, that at some point, old fun facts one yeah. sold the account to someone, and yeah. I'm the guy who sold the account. It's shit like that. Now. It's so, just, uh, how did, why, is, why are you consuming your time with this? You know? It's like the, the old analogy would be like, oh well, uh, the first old fun facts died and now you <laughs> came back out as a, the old fun facts or something like that. Facts go. Yeah, facts go. For me, on Twitter, I find, as you say, Rangers fans are 
cutting, maybe they are ruthlessly cutting at times. I've had a few, a few good old tweets from Rangers fans. Don't don't engage a lot. To be honest, I used to engage with people and argue on Twitter yeah. more, but I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to be that uh, that kind of guy that likes to keep things professional, mm. and everybody should have an opinion on things. Mm. But when it gets to the stage where people become abusive, you're like, I kind of cut off from it. It doesn't bother me, but I think they are ruthlessly cut. But that's fine. I think that's it's better like that than Celtic fans, as you say, that they'll tweet you in about four tweets, you know, without getting to the point, trying to go around all the houses before they get to that point. And I just, I, pre- I kind of prefer that, that cutting, ruthlessly cutting to the point rather than making me wait for you. I tweeted about five tweets and then you've decided to get to the point. Yeah, well, I, I think what it boils down to here, what to be overly simplistic, is a Rangers fan will call you a prick, and a Celtic fan will spend five minutes explaining why you're a prick yeah. and what that means for society. Exactly. Um, do you find that your your content kind of it peaks like after big nights like last night? Like Celtic fans will have tweeted so much. I'll, I'll say vitriol because I thought when I went on Twitter last night after the game, I swore to myself I'm not even going to I'm not going to tweet. I like things that I like, but I'm not tweeting because I'm I'm emotional. But I find that people have tweeted so many things that they'll regret, and that must be a man. That must be a screenshot party for you because you can just go like that and screenshot all this stuff and then go like, hey, I'm making a joke out of that, 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 and I just think, is that the car? Yeah, I mean, like the emotions are heightened obviously after those games and. Uh, yeah, you have, I try to be aware of not being too cruel about it, you know, like trying to just exploit the fact that everyone's raging, but sometimes you'll just have guys take it way too far and they're the ones that you want to have a screenshot of, but yeah. no, I'm, I'm as guilty as the next person because I um, just daft stuff like, um, I think when, I'm sure I sent out something daft when Griffiths scored the second goal against England yeah. and I'm pretty sure there were England fans screenshotting that yeah. two minutes later when, when well, we know how that panned out. Oh. But even like the other week I was at a gig when Rangers were playing the first leg against Braga and uh, I just was occasionally looking at my phone to see what the score was during soccer and like, in break between songs and uh, I put out something just when it was 2-0 to Braga, put out something to the effect of Europa League is just another league that Gerard's chucking away or something like that. Sure enough, in a few minutes I'm checking my phone and it's 3-2 to Rangers and justifiably I'm taking absolute filters for that and the screenshot will be there for the eternity, you know. And I can, I've got no right to complain about that because I, I'm the guy that's done that and I lean tight to everyone else so I just have to take that on the chin. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the, the, the aftermath of games like last night you know everyone's on Twitter, uh, so there's there's no. But if a joke comes to me, like if I can't sleep and a joke comes to me at three in the morning, there's no point me tweeting it out because I can't see it. Um, but it's in the aftermath of those things that you have the uh, everyone's talking about it, so you get fuel for you know what the emotions are. You know that all the Celtic fans were raging last night. Um, you know that the vitriol seems to be directed towards Sumerovich and Dyer. So you know what people are talking about, and it's, it tends to be easy when the, you know that those games give you the materials. Yeah. Like, you're putting it on a plate for you. Um, Sivinovich last night. Sorry. With Sivinovich last exactly. night. Exactly. Exactly. Put it in the plate. Yeah. Um, 
what's in terms of you get a lot of trolls on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I've I've seen this because I've seen people comparing you to a, a troll. People say that you you, you, you troll <laughs> on a daily basis. No. And a guy direct messaged me, and he goes, "Stop retweeting old burn flats. He's a troll." And I'm and I'm and I, 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 I didn't respond, and I just deleted the message. And I, I couldn't believe that this guy had the audacity to tell me to stop retweeting and then saying that you were a, you were a troll. No. Now, don't get me wrong, at the start, when I was on Twitter for the first, you know, couple of years, I didn't really, I didn't really engage on Twitter. Yeah. And I came across your account, as like, why is he making a joke at the expense of Ronnie Dyler? Leave Ronnie Dyler alone, <laughs> or whatever. And it, it dawned on me pretty, pretty soon after that, it was like, will, there's guys on here that will take things, that'll tweet things as a joke, but people will still get offended by it. Yeah. Do you find that you get you get that a lot, that people yeah. take offence? I, I, to be honest, that, that annoys me that, that people would view it as a, a troll account. It can't be further from the truth. I've spent a lot of my time, particularly in my columns, talking up Scottish football. Yeah. But the only purpose of my account, or main purpose of my account, is just to make people laugh. I don't think you could... Um, occasionally I'll get things wrong, I'll maybe overstep the line, or uh, there'll be plenty of times I'll put stuff up that people just won't find funny. I get all of that, but there's never trolling is deliberately setting out to upset people and yeah. to offend people. And I think like there's loads of guys doing that on Twitter, the wee edgelords that are trying to make a name for themselves uh-huh. by just deliberately being offensive or trying to hound people off Twitter or upset people and like that is so far from the point of what yeah. I'm doing and the might you know the, the nature of it with you know making emotions that people have talking about football there will be people who will be of a sensitive disposition and get offended by stuff that I tweet but that's not that that's uh, not deliberate on my part um I just want people to enjoy it and yeah. so last one of the best types of feedback that I can get which I got from quite a few Celtic fans last night was I'm raging at your result but that made me laugh and that's exactly what I'm kind of hoping for so the the same thing if if Rangers lost to Braga and I put a tweet sliding off Rangers for it and a Rangers fan saying raging about that result but you've given me a bit of a laugh for a second there then I'm delighted with that that's that's what I want to do you know and I, I think most people if they spend more than five minutes following me know that that's what the account's about. This, I, I, this idea that I'm some kind of troll account is that can be part of the truth. The thing about Twitter, you, I've had people on in the past um, that have said about Twitter being a negative kind of place. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you think that Twitter and social media, I suppose, in general can be a it can be a good place at times, but it can also be a, a bad place. It's, yeah, it's double-edged sword, Twitter. It's, I, think, I think in general, Twitter has done more good than bad, but it's done a hell of a lot bad. Like, so, the way, like, on a purely selfish note, there's people like me and loads of other people like me who wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have been able to turn what they're doing into a career without Twitter. So, I, as I was talking, as I was talking to you about uh, before we started recording this, I don't have anywhere near the level of journalistic experience that some of the people I work alongside have. Yeah. But I know 
I'm not fooling myself. I know that a large part of how I get into the rooms that I can get into now is because I've got a Twitter following. People, whether it be um, newspapers, magazines, websites, radio, whatever, if you can show those people that you have a ready-made audience already, then you get a step up, a, you know, a way into those opportunities yeah. that I wouldn't have had without Twitter. And um, one of the other really, really good things about Twitter is I think whether it be in terms of mental health or about any kind of societal issue that is maybe maybe affects minorities that people in a more privileged position like myself wouldn't necessarily be aware of. Twitter has managed to bring that to the forefront. So yeah. I think about myself before I had Twitter, before social media. There's so many issues. So for instance, the one we were talking about earlier with the non-binary quote, I know so much about transgender issues that I've never known without Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's been brilliant for educating people on those things. So if you have an open mind, and whether it be transgender people or people of colour or just people uh, from any kind of walk of life, LGBTQ+, they're, they're talking about issues that you don't encounter in your day-to-day life outside the internet. You wouldn't have a clue about necessarily. Um, but then you're reading up in this kind of thing and it becomes harder for you to ignore it and the onus is on you to educate yourself and so you can do that through Twitter. It's been brilliant for that kind of thing because I've had my eyes open to so many different kind of issues that I was probably ignorant about beforehand and it's been brilliant in that regard. But where Twitter can be a bad, a bad thing is the levels of toxicity. So I put out a tweet maybe a month or six weeks ago where I felt it was getting on top of me a little bit, like the relentless negativity, not just stuff directed at me, yeah. but just in general, it felt with the politics, which is something that I have strong opinions about. I felt like it was just a bombardment of really forceful, strong opinions that I just thought were so detached from reality, but the people who were saying it were just totally lacking any kind of nuance. And I felt like that was getting on top of me. Yeah. But then the stuff that I have to deal with isn't even a percentage of what you have of the abuse that you'd have to deal with if you were a high profile woman oh, yeah. or if you were a high profile person of colour or a high profile transgender person. So I can you know, it's one thing for me to sit and moan about yeah. it. But for those people I can't even begin to imagine what their notifications look like. So yeah. there's definitely a lot of good that's come from Twitter, but I can absolutely understand that people hate it. Yeah. I mean I, I a guy that I worked with before and I was like, are you on Twitter? And he's like, no. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I went, I don't use social media. And I'm like, it's the 21st century. How can you not use social media? And I, I, I respect and kind of a little bit I revere the people that, that don't use social media because I'm like, that's such a big thing to do because I am addicted to my phone. Like, yeah, if there's so one nice. addiction that I have, it is to my phone, like I need to be on Twitter at least, you know, about 65% of my day. Yeah. That's that's not healthy and it, it can lead to giving me ne- negativity in my life and you know you can see a tweet and it was a tweet last night, it was a it was a guy right and I totally understand that he was joking. But he said how people with glasses shouldn't be anywhere near Celtic Park. I saw, I saw that tweet. Right. So it, it made to me and I'm like, well I've got glasses, what are you talking about? And it it was like I know he's joking, but it's just for that split second, really. That's, I, I see you're joking. I don't find it funny, but 
and, and that's the kind of things that give you negativity and I know that's just an off the cuff tweet the guys just try to get a few likes and that's that's fine but it, it's small things like that that can give people it can, it can spiral you know like if, you, if you're upset by one small joke that one might not necessarily on its own be enough to ruin your day but if you're seeing that in the context of 10 other things that have upset you on yeah. Twitter it does kind of add up yeah. and when I kind of went on a bit of a, a rant about it maybe a month six weeks ago there were people who were meaning well who were saying things that would just block and mute them but the, the problem with that is you don't know who to block or you until you've seen the abuse that they've said yeah. so and, and people were saying man up, hate that phrase, but oh, people, people are saying that kind of thing to you, it's just words on the internet, but these are people with maybe 60 Twitter followers, right, yeah. so with all due respect, I'm sitting there with 64,000, yeah. so if they, their, their idea of what negative notifications look like might be one, once every three weeks someone says something they disagree with in their notifications, I'm getting dozens yeah. a day, you know, and if you've tweeted something that people that, know, that everyone from a certain club whether it be self or otherwise dislikes dealing with dozens of notifications yeah. and they call you all sorts and like I said I can deal with it but there's just some days where that it gets a lot of sensitivity can get on top of you I'm only yeah. human um, but yeah I, I, I do envy people sometimes who don't who can totally separate themselves from social media and even the family on holiday or when I was getting married last year having a week or two away from it yeah. it's like you can't help but make you feel better about life you know yeah. um, but I'm, I've made this uh, world for myself on Twitter which most of the time I love yeah. um, but if I'm going to have that world where people are going great joke like love what you're doing or whatever then you just have to accept that part of it is also people calling your life yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel that obviously there's other Twitter accounts on Twitter that are that are anonymous like yourself uh, one that I could pluck out would be inside the SPFL agent, agent Scotland uh-huh. do, do you feel like there, like there is a lot of like to do with Scottish football that there is there is becoming like a more of like an anonymous kind of base on Twitter? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for any other accounts, um, but the benefits of remaining anonymous are pretty obvious, you know, like, I've had, it's been a while since I've had really serious regrets, but, the, you know, that has happened in the past, and you, you know, like, because there are people who can't, just can't take any kind of joke, yeah, ironically, these are the people that will call people snowflakes for wanting a vegan sausage roll or whatever, but the, 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 these people that just get so angry and worked up about these and just sort of think, like, I probably wouldn't want to meet these guys on the street, you know? Like, most of the people I'm quite happy to meet up with, I've, I've done a few podcasts like this and gone on radio things and done various things through which have been brilliant, uh, and I love doing them, and I'm quite happy to meet people like that, but people who will call you every name under the sun uh, because you've made a joke about your team or anything. I don't really, I don't think there's any benefit to me meeting this guy on the street. And uh, I'd imagine that that's maybe part of the appeal of being anonymous for other accounts as well, but like I say, I can't speak for them. But yeah. I, I think the biggest benefit of being anonymous for me, as I said, is just that the more people know about you, the more that's going to factor into how they read one of your jokes. Yeah. So I would like people to read a tweet 
mind work about Celtic Rangers or whoever and just see it for what it is, which is a joke a about Hamley, rather than going, oh he's saying that because he supports such and such, yeah. or he's saying that because he went to such and such school. And you know that people would do that. You know, because like, the second that they knew all that stuff about me, they'd be, they'd be trolling through Google and Facebook and all that. And the, the, the biggest thing for me is that I've spent years now dealing with this kind of abuse and I can, nine days out of ten I can deal with it. But you know that they could kind of find out who my wife was or who my family are and all that kind of thing. It's, it's not fair on them that they have to put up with the bad thoughts that I have to put up with, yeah. you know. And then, as I suppose at the end, they would try and, if they knew who you were, they would try and tear through every fibre of your, your existence to try and get to you because you've made a tweet about their team and they don't like absolutely obsessed with that kind of thing and I've, I've seen it happen like even just that stuff like um, the guy that I was talking about earlier on uh, Stevie that encouraged me to um, get into Twitter back like years ago I can remember um, Stevie's a Celtic fan right and I can remember we worked together at the time and he tweeted something about Celtic that another Celtic fan didn't like and the Celtic fan phoned the HR department of our work and said, you've got a guy working for you that said this on the internet. Oh my God. And fortunately the HR guy was a Palestinian and also, if I remember correctly, a Celtic fan and yeah. he just laughed down the phone to the guy. But not every, not every HR guy who answers that call is going to necessarily understand the context of Twitter yeah. or be pals with you or whatever. So you, you you do have these guys who could phone up and go, do you know there's a person working for you who does such and such? Fortunately, yeah. fortunately the people I work for employ me because I'm open fact they know what it's about. Yeah. But there's a lot of people out there, whether it's the account you mentioned or other anonymous accounts, that are in positions where if their identity came out, they could present problems for them. So I totally understand. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I mean, I've got a job, um, but I, I keep my tweets kind of. I don't, I don't keep them safe. I tweet what I want to tweet within the context of keeping it respectful and keeping it within the guidelines of Twitter. And I, I've had a few instances where people haven't, you know, they've not taken the tweet on kindly, and it's like if they knew where I work or. Whatever they could, they could, you know, find your work and get you sacked. And I, I don't think that's the right way to go about things. All right, if you've if you've said something racist or you've said something homophobic, mm. I can understand why somebody would find your work. I don't agree with one somebody's work. Full stop. Mm. But you know, I, I, I could take it from that point of view. But for me, like obviously, I'm starting out this podcast. I'm hopefully going to grow an audience. Um, I'm hopefully going to get to that point. And it's going to get to the point where somebody will can kind of phone my work because well, I want to phone my work, I want to phone me. So <laughs> that's, that's definitely the ideal scenario. I think when um, it, it's, diff- it, it's different, as I said, when when people are saying something racist or COVID, uh, as opposed to just um, an opinion you disagree with about your football team. Also, I think um, I, I think I'm probably going to go off on a tangent here. I think there's a, a different, in terms of this sort of whole kind of cancel, kind of, it's going to sound like a total dick, in, ter- in, in terms of the way people get sort of cancelled and stuff on Twitter, I think there's a big difference uh, where everyone's trying to cancel everyone all the time. Yeah. I think there's a difference between 
the really nasty tweets where people know that what they're saying is racist or homophobic yeah. and they, they're setting out to bend people or they're setting out to be edgy. I think yeah. those people deserve everything that comes to them. But what I think, I think there's some people who are maybe a bit less savvy and who've spent less time looking into issues like that than maybe you or I have. Yeah. And they'll accidentally use a term that's uh, outdated. So they're not meaning any offence by it. And I think there's a world of difference between people like that who just don't know what they're saying and the people who are deliberately setting out to be offensive. And when it comes to the people, they might be from an older generation and who are generally, generally, generally well-meaning and just use a term that they didn't know was no longer acceptable. And yeah. the, the, the way that language changes so quickly and evolving so quickly, particularly around maybe LGBTQ plus yeah. concerns, if you immediately respond to that person using that term that's incorrect um, with just a pile on of abuse, you're not going to get that person to educate themselves. You're not going to get that person to show any empathy towards you in the future. They're going to get their, heckles, their hackles up and go, well, you know, I was just trying to be nice and these people are abusing me. Why should I show them any kind of empathy? Yeah. Um, if you can respond to those people and say, and as non-patronisingly as possible, say, actually, we prefer you didn't refer to us with that term, and here's why. A good example would be someone like Neville Southall, right? Yeah. Bizarre that the, an Everton goalkeeper from the 80s that I'm using as an example, right? But Neville Southall, I think he's maybe about 61, right? Yeah. And he's exactly the sort of generation that people like me will sort of patronise and go, they don't get it, blah, blah, blah. And he's made a conscious effort to educate himself about issues that he wasn't familiar with. Yeah. And through that, he's become an LGBTQ plus ally. And he's shown that age shouldn't be a barrier to educating yourself about these things. But if Neville Southall had, had used an outdated term by mistake when he was trying to educate himself and everyone had piled on to him because of it, he'd have, I could have understood him going, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to show any interest in it. So I think if someone's just, if someone's setting out to offend, person of colour or any minority by using a term they know is wrong then they deserve all the abuse that comes away for it. Yeah. But if they have just accidentally used a term that they didn't realise was inappropriate, the perfect outcome of that is someone calmly responding to that going, we don't like that term, here's why, because it carries this stigma around it. Um, and that person going, oh sorry, I didn't mean any offence. And then there's a dialogue that opens up and people educate themselves. And, there's no way to discuss that without sounding like a completely patronising banker, right? <laughs> but that's that's when Twitter can work. I can give you an example of that. I made a mistake on Twitter. Um, uh, it was a Celtic fan. Uh, she was a Celtic fan, but I didn't know she was a she because the profile was planned and it was like the name wasn't, you know. Uh, it wasn't like it wasn't like our name was Leanne or something. It was like it wasn't a it wasn't a name that was on the Twitter account. It was uh-huh. like something uh, like an anonymous kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I, I used the term pal. And if you talk to someone on pal, if you can say if you say pal to someone, mm-hmm. there's a few ways you could take it. You could take it as you're being like patronising, or you're being friendly. But when I use this term pal. She tweeted me back immediately saying, I'm not a man. Right. And I was like, well, I didn't see you were. I, and I realised, 
I realised that and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry if that term offended you. And then she tweeted me back saying something about how I, I was disrespecting her because I called her a man essentially and that I should be blocked and other people should block me because of that. And it was like, it was just surreal because it was like, it was a term and I've said, well, I didn't need to use it type thing. And still, like, she wouldn't understand that. And I just, I thought that was, that's like a prime example of somebody being worked up on Twitter for, for no reason. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have. I would I wouldn't have ever considered that being offensive, but it might you know it might be that she's had negative experiences around that. But yeah. I, I I I feel like I'm still learning with uh, with a lot of issues. A, a good example would be um, I was referring to someone recently, not someone I was talking to. I was like maybe Piers Morgan, usually Piers Morgan. I was referring to someone as a moron, right? Yeah. And someone sent me a DM. Saying actually, moron has these negative connotations um, around uh, ableism and things like that, and it is, a, it is demeaning to, to certain people. And I hadn't ever considered that, I'd always just thought it was an acceptable insult for idiots or arsehole. And But what I really appreciated was the fact that she sent that to me as a DM, we had a conversation about it. So if she'd responded going, you ableist scumbag, why, why are you using that term? It would have put me in a position where I'd have kind of been on the defensive and all my followers would have been watching us unfold and it's an awkward conversation. But because she'd come to me in a sort of civil way by DM and said, I don't think you necessarily realise how offensive or loaded that term can be, yeah. I made a conscious effort after that to not use it. And yeah. that's how this very small progress, but that's how, that's how progress can be made. So, like, um, if there's a term that I used that you found offensive, you know, you'd be well within your rights to call me out on it. Yeah. But I think it's easier if you sort of send me the DM and we have a chat about it rather than going to come back. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I didn't know that about the word moron. I knew, and I use the word moron a lot. Uh, I called my dad a moron last night. <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, that's because uh, we have different views on Celtic. He's very... Old school, uh, Celtic and certain people can do no wrong, whereas um, he very much remember, remember the 90s. Exactly, yeah. you remember the 90s, you weren't around in the 90s, and, uh, et cetera, and I'm, I'm very much more, you can have a pop at Celtic yeah. without being, and so you can have a pop at Celtic, you can be negative, you can be critical of them without, you know, tarnishing them, it's not like you can, it's not as if you're not allowed to have a go. You, as a fan, as a guy that pays 650 quid a year, I'm entitled to say what I want to say. That's what I'm about to say. I think, absolutely, if you're, if you're paying your money, whether that be season ticket, merchandise, whatever, right, you're absolutely entitled to have an opinion on it. And I think you can't progress as a club if everyone will accept the bare minimum at all times. Yeah. It's a given that Celtic should be winning but the amount of money that Celtic have brought in through transfers in recent years and the amount of quality that they've recruited that, you know having guys like Edward team right yeah. Celtic should be winning that game like that it's no it's no disrespect whatsoever to Copenhagen I'm sure Copenhagen would admit that on paper that Celtic team should be winning that time right yeah. so I think if you pay that money, you're entitled to, have to to call it out when it's been, yeah. when it's gone off. I, 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 it, that doesn't denigrate 
what's happened to Celtic in the past. I, I think there's an idea among a lot of Celtic fans that lived through the 90s and yeah. the Rangers nine in a row that you're, you're, you're only allowed to say anything to about Celtic if you can name the entire first 11 that get beaten by Rafe Rovers in the Cold Cup final. You yeah. know, like, like you've got to have earned the right to do it. But I think yeah. turning up at the games or buying the strip or whatever, that yeah. does give you the right and you're entitled to say, no, Celtic should have won that game last night. Yeah, exactly, 100%. I see guys and I heard and I seen tweets rather about fans that were down at you know the train station singing about Gerard after Celtic had lost and I seen a guy criticising that and then I seen a guy saying oh well we'll still get the league and blah 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 it's, it's the optimism and, and I'm very I'm an optimistic person but it's seeing you're raging and you know that a team that your team should have won last night and then you're hitting out way well we'll still get the league in the Scottish Cup that's to me that's that's a given for Celtic that's yeah. what is expected of Celtic anyway yeah. Europe is a, is a different kettle of fish nobody expects Celtic to win the Europa League but uh, when Copenhagen came out the hat you're thinking well where are we about for the last 16 yeah. so you know it, it, it's, a, it's a weird world the we live in with Celtic for me with Celtic fans is you've got one side that are that are you know that agree with you know my belief and then you've got the side of Celtic uh, the fans of Twitter um, of the optimism and getting this this idea of 10 in a row and, and, and that'll be it and it's it's a split world it's a divided yeah I, I, I just think I, I just think guys like Peter Lowell will love the fact that those Celtic fans exist and no offence to your dad he's, he's he has earned the right he did live through the 90s right but if you're uh, if you're excusing every single failure by saying, well, worse things happened 25 years ago, then that means that Celtic can continue to do the bare minimum in terms of... I'm not saying bare minimum, the, the, the Lazio games will live long in the memory for some fans who are brilliant results from and away. But, you know, there will always be people who will excuse results like last night because it's not as bad as something that happened in the 90s. And yeah. Peter Law will love that. And Lennon, that's almost like letting Lennon off the hook for it. Because Lennon, went, you know, I wrote that column the other day saying he's done great things over, over 12 months and I had to eat my words for that. But if Lennon's going to get the praise for those great Lazio results, for steamrolling the league this season as it looks like it's going to happen, yeah. He deserves the praise for those, but he's also got to take his share of responsibility for games like last night. Uh, 100%. And, and as a manager, you know, you, you can't, you, you know, as a manager, you can't uh, necessarily take the blame for individual mistakes like the, particularly the first goal, the, the error and all that. But as a manager, you have to install a mentality in the team and say, just be sensible after you lose that goal. Just get, uh, just get, uh, after you score the equaliser, sorry, it's always get shades of that Scotland game we were talking about earlier, yeah. like when Griffiths scored two free kicks, and you're screaming Armstrong. at the telly, yeah. Armstrong, exactly, you're screaming at him, just get nothing stupid, just keep the ball, or get up the pitch, don't get him daft. Yeah. And they did something daft, and we never left it down. Yeah. Um, and similarly, last night, all Celtic had to do was just keep the head after that goal. And instead, like, just the concentration went, and before you know it, Copenhagen has scored twice in this game over. You have got yourself into a position where you work with the 
Glasgow Live here, Collins, on Glasgow Live. I think it was 2017 that started because I remember I was coming out of college and I was on Twitter and I'm heading to the pub and um, I was all, I was at the bar or whatever and I seen uh, old fun facts Glasgow Live Collins and I was like, what's this? I went on and looked at it and it was essentially your tweets and and I followed and I thought that's. That's brilliant, I really enjoyed that, and so from that point I started reading more and more. How did that come around for you? Uh, actually, I think it was kind of uh, second half of 2016 it started, because I'd been doing bits and pieces for the record, uh, so they weren't sort of formal columns the way that I write nowadays, it was just a kind of collection of jokes down the side of a page every Saturday, the record, yeah. and I would have like a sort of joke of the day, a line of the day that was in the paper every day, which I still do to this day. Um, but my first experience of writing actual sentences in proper columns was um, at uh, Euro 2016. They asked me to be the TV pundit for the paper. And that was a brilliant experience. It was incredibly... Uh, it's not a wrong word because I love doing it, but it really taught me about deadlines and all that kind of thing. So basically, what I would do was the, the games would finish between half nine and ten, and I had to submit a column no later than ten o'clock based on a sort of humanist look at the TV coverage of the yeah. game. So, the team, because those games were finishing about half nine, nine forty-five. Um, the coverage would start around 7 o'clock. So I would, ha- I would have basically a blank word document in front of me, and that had to have no less and no more than 350 words. And it had to be funny, and it had to have a start, middle, and an end, and it had to be submitted no later than 10 o'clock so it could be in the next day's paper. And that was pretty much just relentless. And so it's not just a case of coming up with, with the, the words, it's editing it down. Yeah. So that it made sense, that it was hopefully funny, it had a through line from the start to the end, and it wasn't a single word over 50. So you'd end up having situations where it's like 15 minutes before you have to submit it, and you're looking at 600 words. Yeah. Or you're 10 minutes before you have to submit it, and it's 150 words. So see, more often than not, it was having too many words. Yeah. But it taught me so much about working to a deadline and making sure that there's a you know, start, middle and end and all the rest of it. And I, I, I was like, if I really get this right, if I've worked really hard on this, then I feel like something might come of it. Yeah. And that's what happened. So they liked what I'd done with that. I think I did about 17 columns. I just took a break for a few days and I was at Glastonbury. So I was writing either side of Glastonbury on almost every night of the Euros. And they obviously saw it and thought, well, he's proved himself here. And they said we're, we're starting to do more sport in Glasgow Live. Would you like to do the for us? And I bet their hands off, it was brilliant. So I would be doing that around the day job. I'd be coming home from my day job and writing those columns. And after about two years of doing that, I got the opportunity to write columns for Retro as well, but they fleshed out columns that did the same TV reviews for the World Cup as well, and then I had the Saturday column the record, and I was still doing the Glasgow Live thing. But I was, while I was working a completely unrelated 9 to 5, and also planning my wedding, it was uh, relentless, and I did feel, there was a column I wrote, it's the only time I've done this, there's a column I wrote 
think it was about April last year about Rangers and taking a piss out of my kit launch and stuff like that. And it's the only time I've submitted anything in the whole time I've been writing columns where I was like, I don't think this is up to my normal standard. But it, it reached, it was like four in the morning and I had work in a couple of hours or a few hours and I had a deadline to hit and there was simply no time left for me to write anything and I was completely broken by that point yeah. and I just had to submit something I'd, I would have been in a worse position for me to say I don't have anything than for me to submit that yeah. and I thought there were, you know, it wasn't totally invincible problem. There, were, there were good bits in it but I, like, I knew when I was writing I was like this isn't I don't think it's as good as the normal standard and yeah. I had people going this is shite which I felt was sober at all but I could see people going this isn't your normal Standard and I yeah. had to accept that. But yeah, it's always been a thing for me is hit every deadline, try and make the columns flow. And I think I've got, I think I've become a better writer the yeah. more I've been doing it. So, with the Glasgow Live now, is it a more like a full time kind of position mm-hmm. you've got now? Yes, yeah, so I've been full time since kind of late 2018. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing to me that I've made it a career it was never the goal when I started this but as soon as I got a chance to do those TV columns in 2016 I was like I could see that as the, the target I was like if I can do this you know standard that might happen for me and I'm still sort of pinching myself that it has happened for me and the the way the way it works for me is as I was talking to you about off here there. I don't know what the term for podcast is, but like before we start recording. Um, I don't, you know, whether I'm writing for Glasgow Live or the record, I, I, I don't work for them, I work for Reach you know, and all those titles, and you'll get kind of shuffled about, so um, for the next while my priority is going to be Glasgow Live stuff, and so I'm still going to be writing the kind of humorous, hopefully humorous columns that I write for them and the serious opinion pieces that I occasionally do as well. Um, But I'll also be helping out with more of the kind of general football coverage that they're going to be doing as well, which is going to be more of a a focus on their sport coverage as well. Celtic Rangers and for Edinburgh Live, the Arsenal Hips. But it's just brilliant to me that I'm able to make football and writing about that kind of thing my day job. I mean, I think that's a dream for most people that, you know, that right now they're at uni or they're at college and they want to get into, like, journalism or they want to get into writing about football. I think that's, I think what you've done is, is their dream. You've managed to go from, you know, Twitter, having a good few jokes of became legendary and then, you know, take it to that next that next level. With your, um, I know we're kind of going back and forward a wee bit here, but um, one of your biggest things on Twitter is your Scottish football thing of the week. Yeah, Pata Roundup. Yeah, yeah Pata Roundup of the week. Yeah. How long does that take <laughs> to do? Because uh, you, you've been doing that relentlessly from what I can remember the first week of the 2018. 2017, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018, 
the, the fiddly bit isn't finding stuff for it because it's Scottish football, so there's always loads of variety. There's always loads of material for it. I've never ever had a week where it's struggled to put together. But the time-consuming bit is actually making those collages yeah. of it. So it's, I've got an app on my phone and just I've got a screenshot. I get I get really dantic about it and trying to make sure things. Don't, don't, that things make sense next to each other, or if it's one, if it's you know, if it's about a particular game that it tells that story. So there will be stuff obviously from last night that will go into Sunday's one. Um, it's yeah, coming coming up with the material is never the problem. It's trying to condense it into you've got Twitter, you've got four pictures. You can't go over four pictures, but each of those pictures will be a, an individual collage of things that happen during the week. Yeah. Just trying to condense that. That is such time consuming. Um, but I'm glad to do it because it's it always gives you a good response and that yeah. you always feel such a sense of uh, I don't want to say like accomplishment but like a um, uh, sense of satisfaction at the end of the season when you can scroll through it. Yeah. Um, and also, if I'm writing stuff, if I'm writing columns about kind of reviews, a uh, review of the season or whatever, or review of the year, it's handy to go back and look at those yeah. pattern roundups so you can see, right, that's what was happening that week, and you've got a record of all the big stories through here. I, I like it. I think it's one of the it's one of the things that I actively look forward to seeing on Twitter because I remember the I think it was the one more heart speak Celtic in twenty eighteen and it was when Smith and Keith Dunn and I was raging after that game but when I seen that the way you'd done it and I just thought it was hilarious and ever since then I've, I've kinda of looked forward to, yeah. to seeing them. One final question. Um and it's one that I've, I think a lot of people want to know the answer to. Is it any old fur? Let's hope they get through that without being asked. One of the biggest things is I, I got a DM from a guy when I was like, we announced that we were doing this podcast. And he was like, ask him, is it any old fur? <laughs> and that, that is one of the most, it's the best kind of tweets you'll see because you you get it right you, oh, yeah. you, you get these tweets i don't get these tweets so when i do get this tweet i'm like i'll, I'll always tag you in it or something like that because i remember i got one a couple of weeks ago or months ago and i was talking about rangers and i was talking about celtic and i went the old firm and this typical celtic fan you know came in and went there's no old firm <laughs> and, and i just i, I think i always I always think uh, your, your account and things like that and i always just think it's funny that that people feel the need. Like I, people feel the need to tweet that. Yeah, I get tagged on a lot of them, like on a daily basis. And most, because the account has been running long enough and has enough followers and enough people that block me or whatever, or that I've blocked, it, it's been going long enough that people, unless they're new to Twitch, will have made their mind up about whether they like me or don't like yeah. me. And enough people, fortunately, like what to follow it that they know that this is a running joke, this whole there is no thing. And so most of the there is no's that I get under my tweets are people taking a piss, they're not being serious about. But for a long time, before people quite got what well, was, it was relentless. People yeah. just going, there's no fucking old firm, there's no, like, really angry about it, perpetuating the myth yeah. and all this, and like, I don't give a 
shit. Like, it's not important to me to turn. Like, old firm facts for me, and as I said earlier on, took, there's no way it took me more than 10 seconds to come up with that name. I literally thought, well, this is going to be pretend facts, and it's going to be about Celtic and Rangers. What is a term? There's no snappier term than old firm. Everyone knows what it means, so you can absolutely be within your rights to disagree with the existence of the old firm, right? As is your right. But you know fine well that if I say that term, you know fine well talking about Celtic Rangers, right? Am I supposed to say, it's not as catchy if I go, Celtic and Rangers asterisk Sevco if that's what you'd prefer facts, right? Like, everyone knows what the exists for better or worse, right? So, I, you, you still occasionally, I still occasionally get people getting really wound up about it, and they're the ones I'll share it and say, sort of, um, genuine there is no alert or whatever, yeah. like, because I, I just think there's a, I, I don't think me being, me being bubbled from facts is a definitive statement on whether I believe some Rangers died or not. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just a catchy term. Like, and people know what it means. So I think people need to get over how angry they get about that term. Yeah, no, I agree. Did, did you like how I didn't answer the question? I did. I did. <laughs> uh, very very political. Um, what, what you're saying there, um, obviously you get it in tweets. I get it in real life. My dad, he... Says it. Yeah, I thought now. Oh, I can't wait for Sunday. Old Firm, Glasgow Derby. Sorry, what? He went, There's no Old Firm, and I'm like, right. I think so. it, it tends to be. It tends to be the older guys with Celtic. It's uh, again. I'm not wanting to slag off your dad. Oh no, go ahead. Guy, right? <laughs> go ahead. But it tends to be guys mid forties and over who have this. Nine in a row, the Rangers nine in a row did something to them, and it's and it's like so. I, I've had this discussion with you before. Celtic act. A lot of Celtic fans act now eight and probably nine titles into this winning run. They still act like they're the oppressed team. So Celtic, uh, the Celtic fans who should be acting with the arrogance and the. Um, the boldness of fans who watched their team win eight and probably nine titles in a row. They should be acting with talking with, with their chest puffed out, right? Yeah. But they're acting like they're still being having they're still having things inflicted upon them. They're yeah. still the Definitely the underdog. The Celt- yeah. like, Celtic should be acting like the old Scottish football. Some Celtic fans do, right? Yeah. But it's still this idea of Celtic are being shot on at every opportunity and everyone's working against them. You're like, if there is in 2020 uh, a Scottish football conspiracy against Celtic, it's not a very effective one because yes. they're winning everything in sight. So I think the nine in a row did something to them, the Rangers nine in a row did something to them where they feel constantly aggrieved and constantly like they're the little guy. And Celtic, Celtic runs Scottish football. Yeah. Peter Lowell is quite a powerful guy, right? Celtic are, like, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of people that work in the very common MSM, plenty of people who work in the SFA, and plenty of people who work in every walk of life who support Rangers, but there's also plenty of them who support Celtic. Like, I'm not going to sit and tell you who everyone at the Daily Record supports, but it's like any workplace in Glasgow, there's going to be people there who support Celtic and people support Rangers. And there's a guy, like, I've watched a, a guy 
that I work with, who is a brilliant writer, Gaby, right? So he's quite vocal about the fact he's a Kelly fan. He, part of his job is to write about Celtic Rangers, and he constantly gets shit about, you know, anti-Celtic, anti-Rangers. Like, he's a Kelly fan. Yeah. <laughs> and there's other guys like that that constantly get accused of a pro-Celtic, a pro-Rangers bias that supports like Popper, you know? Yeah. I, I think the guys that get it the worst, um, you know, are those guys that don't have an affiliation? I think, you know, the, uh, I'm going to be interviewing him on the podcast, uh, Gordon Duncan, he does Clyde One. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. a Motherwell fan. Yeah. He still gets tweets, or he still gets sick about being a Celtic fan or a Rangers fan. Um, and I, I just think it's mental. That's why on my podcast, I probably alienated half of Glasgow on McFeelwood, and I said about, oh, yeah, I'm a Celtic fan, but. I'm not a Celtic fan that will, you know, be biased. I'm not a Celtic fan that will, you know, say things that are turn, take jokes at Rangers. I'm a, I'm a very, I'm very much a Celtic fan, but I'm a very much a Scottish football fan. And I, I see things as I call them, or as I call, I call them, as I see them. Now I've not got good eyesight, so I might call them quite badly, but I call it as I see it. And I, I don't think there should be any need for, for guys on Twitter to say it doesn't matter what team you support, you can still have an opinion without having to have this idea of a SMN agenda. I think my favourite people on Twitter are people that can laugh about their own team and again, you apply that to other issues, the people that can take a joke about your political party. There's like a real overlap with the football Twitter and politics Twitter and oh, the respect that people just... Uh, there are lots of people who just cannot take any criticism or joke about the team or politician that they like. And you can... Absolutely, you, I, I don't think that laughing at a joke about politician or football team you like means you're any less of a supporter of them. It yeah. means that you're an adult and that you can accept that, you know, that person might not be 100% flawless or that football team might not be 100% flawless. It's not always evidence of some kind of agenda against you. Um, and again, I think yeah, that's where the anonymity helps a lot of it, is that, you know, people will always chuck anti-Celtic and anti-Rangers at yeah. me, but they don't know me personally. And so, like I mentioned earlier, when I'm, when I'm watching a game, you know, whether it's Celtic Rangers or whoever, I do support someone, right? So yeah. I'm going to have my own feelings about it. I just dis- disassociate that when I'm writing yeah. the tweets. And I know, despite what people say to me, I know that whether I'm writing about Celtic or Rangers, whether it's a tweet or a column or yeah. a talking or a podcast or a radio show, I am absolutely 100% neutral at all times because, for better or worse, I've managed to trick my brain into being that yeah. in that neutral frame of mind when I'm doing it. That's probably slightly ruined football for me, yeah. but it means that I can be that guy and know that I'm being completely neutral when I'm doing it. Yeah. I would love to have your your neutral ability. I think to, to an extent I'm very neutral and I try to be um, but I, I think you do it you do it superbly um, and I, I think that's to be that's to be respected. Um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Um, I don't think there's a lot more to cover, and if, if there is, then... Send the abuse to the usual address. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks very much for taking the time. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, if you want to follow Old Firm Facts, it's the first time you've heard this guy, and you're like, I've not seen him on Twitter. 
then where can they follow you? So it's at Old Firm Facts 1. And as always, if you have enjoyed the podcast, then uh, do us a favour and give it a share because the more people that hear me means the more audience I get and it means I can make this a proper career. So, thanks again. I really appreciate it. And um, see you next time. That was De Stefano Talks, episode number six with Old Firm Facts. I really do have to say that that is one of my most enjoyable and favourite interviews slash podcasts that I've ever conducted since I started my journey of trying to become a journalist um, slash reporter uh, slash podcaster since uh, 2014. I've interviewed some big names in Scottish football, uh, Hugh Keevans, Roger Hanna, uh, to name just two, uh, Rory Hamilton, uh, as you've heard on the, the first episode of the podcast, uh, Eric Ray, you know, I've, I've had so many interactions with such big names in Scottish football, but this has been the, the most enjoyable to record in terms of, of laughter that I had. Um, I was on a flight to Greece, uh, and I, I thought, right, I need to edit this podcast, I need to get it out, no, no slacking, you know, go to college, but I'm not going to slack. And, um, the, I'm on the flight and I'm absolutely pissing myself laughing at some of the stuff that we, that we spoke about um, that, that you've just heard and honestly it, it really is one of the, the, the most enjoyable pieces of audio that I've captured um, since, I, since I started my journey so yeah a massive thank you once again to Old Forum Facts for coming on to the podcast uh, and helping me out uh, it really was a pleasure to meet you and uh, don't sweat, your anonymity will remain anonymous. Uh, not going to blow your cover there, Chief. Uh, so yes, I hope you did enjoy that, as ever. Uh, if you did, then go ahead, show me some support, share it. Uh, I, I don't know, can you like it on Spotify? I'm not sure. Um, but do all the good stuff that you can do. And if you want to hear more episodes, then hit that subscribe button and you can follow along on, on the journey. You can become part of it. Um, I do just want to say, uh, as always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Mr. Stefan Carlin. Same goes for Instagram, at Mr. Stefan Carlin. Uh, the podcast, if you didn't know, we are on 99 followers as I'm recording this uh, on Twitter. If you want to give me some support uh, on the Twitter page, it's at Talks, And the same goes for Instagram, at Talks. Uh, and if you ever want to come on the podcast to tell your story, then Talks at outlook.com is the email address. Or if you're more modern and you don't like emailing people, send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram using either at Mr. Stefan Carlin or at Stefano Talks. Hopefully that might be someone who wants to come on the podcast. So my phone has gone off its head today. Uh, yes, massive thank you to everyone uh, for all the love and support. Massive thank you to Old Firm Facts for, for listening and I will see you all again very, very soon with a brand new guest on Stefano Talks.